Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Tea with me, your host, Sweet D. And today I am super excited to introduce you to Caitlin Ronan. She is from, uh, well, first of all, she's from Maine. That's important to know because I love Maine. Hi. <laughs> you should come visit. I totally. It's really nice to have you here. Thank you for taking this time with me. I can't wait to get into this. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Caitlin is the president of Upstart Maine, a nonprofit helping to fuel entrepreneurship. Caitlin is a lawyer with experience assisting startups from entity formation through exit. She earned her JD from Northeastern University and her MBA from the University of Maine. Wow. Girl, <laughs> you're one smart yeah. lady. <laughs> I just, I love school. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So take us back like to the very beginning of really what drew you to law. Yeah. So they ask you this question on your first day of law school. I didn't okay. have a good answer then. I don't have a good answer now. <laughs> I really wish that I had this great story of, you know, I had this thing happen and it just drew me to the law. But uh, when I was a kid, I was eight years old is the first time I remember wanting to be a lawyer. And um, I realized that I wanted to help people. Um, and that I thought I could do that best by being a lawyer. And ever since I was eight, I, I took business courses in, in high school. I studied business in undergrad. I uh, got my MBA and then went to uh, law school and got my JD with a focus in, in business so I could help entrepreneurs. I talk to business owners all day long, business owners, entrepreneurs, next big thing, all this kind of stuff. But it's very rare when I get to talk to someone like you. Because you really know the ins and outs of what it takes from conception to exit, right? Like it's, yeah. it's huge. Do you ever think that one day you'll start your own business based on everything you know? When I was, you know, young, wanting to be a lawyer, it's because I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to be a partner at a law firm so I didn't have to answer to anybody. I think that if I was not a lawyer, I would definitely start my own business. But I think law school has made me very risk averse. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> learn right. everything that could go wrong with anything. Right. Um, and so while I would love to, mm -hmm. I just don't know if it's in, in the cards for me. I do have a dream of one day owning a bookstore and mm -hmm. having a little, a tea cafe in it, <gasps> maybe a little board game nook, but mm -hmm. maybe that's a retirement plan for me. Maybe. Oh, that sounds really yeah. cozy and nice. I yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> It'd be great well, for me. I don't know if anyone else would like it. But... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it sounds good to me. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So let me ask you this, the story behind Upstart and like what they do is so cool. And for the listeners who just aren't familiar with Upstart in general, can you explain a little bit more about what they do and how they help entrepreneurs? Yeah. So Upstart is uh, a startup in and of itself. It's very, very new. I think this is year four. So in 2018, I was fresh out of law school and I started a job at a local law firm who uh, was really passionate about starting an entrepreneurship practice. Hmm. I was really passionate about entrepreneurs, so it was a really great fit. They actually connected me with the then president of Upstart who was looking for a lawyer to join their board. So it was very just kismet. I immediately joined. They wanted me to serve as an officer almost immediately. So I started as the secretary. And I really got thrown into it, started going to our pitching events, um, our uh, conferences that we do, kind of everything that Upstart was involved in, I wanted to be a part of. I learned very quickly that you can't be involved in everything, but it was just 
it, I don't know, it was love at first sight for me with Upstart. Upstart in and of itself is a coalition of partner programs and resource partners in our community that serve different purposes. So we have what I like to call places and spaces. So we have, you know, co-working space, we have office space, we have um, incubators, we have a webinar series that we're working on right now, we have an accelerator program, anything an entrepreneur might need, Upstart either is working on it, has it, or can connect you with the resource that you need. So the whole mission is really how can we best serve the entrepreneur? And that really spoke to me as a mission. Yeah. Very centered around the actual entrepreneur and not mm-hmm. just, it's obviously being a nonprofit, right? Which I love. Yes. yes That's amazing. So what yeah. types of startups would consider working with Upstart? Is it startups of all kinds? Is it basic ideas? I mean, yeah. round table, what's, what does that look like? So our... I don't typically like to use the word target because I feel like it's very exclusionary, Mm. but for lack of a better term, our target is innovation-driven startups with a goal to scale. But we do have programs that are great for Main Street. So we have a a pitch contest that's like a a mini shark tank. We kind of call it like a dolphin tank. I love it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And so you can come, you can pitch your idea. You don't have to have an established business. You don't need to have financial analysis done. You can come, you can pitch your idea to a group of, you know, 70 or so people. We have three, you know, big wigs, we call them, which are essentially your, your sharks, um, who judge your pitch, pick a winner. And that winner goes on to our big gig event at the end of the year for a chance to win $5,000 to help them kickstart this idea. Oh my gosh, this is so I fun. Know. Yeah. Wow. Um, so Big Gig is one of our, our coalition partners that take anyone from an innovation-driven startup to someone who is just at the idea stage. Um, but we also have coalition partners like the Top Gun program, which is you need to be a bit more established so you can accelerate. That's one of our accelerators. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have you know a, a partnership with Scratchpad in the area, which is an incubator to take you up to potentially exiting. So we really touch a ton of different kinds of entrepreneurs, but we do have that goal of getting the, the innovation-driven um, startups because we want them to stay in Maine. We want them to know that Maine is a great place right? <laughs> and right. that they have the resources that they need here. That's incredible. One of the reasons that I started my marketing firm 13 years ago, however, however long it's been, I don't even remember a long time ago was because I saw a real need for entrepreneurs and business owners just starting out where they didn't know what to do from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it it was kind of like just swimming through this sea of like never ending. What am I doing? And that, that happened to me uh, with my first business. It just felt like I was totally alone. First of all, couldn't bounce my ideas off of anyone. I was just guessing as I went along and got taken advantage of by other marketers. I say with their quotes, right? It's so sad that my job is looked at like, you know, the stereotypical used car salesman, you know, where Mm -hmm. it's like just kind of (laughs) slimy. Like, I swear, like I got into this business because I was totally taken for a ride by the slimy weirdos out there. So it's very cool to know that there are you know, not just upstart, right? Because if you're in, if you're in Bangor, Maine, that's amazing. Like Mm -hmm. definitely reach out to them. I wish I had this opportunity (laughs) when I was just starting out seriously. So 
Do you know of any other companies, perhaps nationally or, or other other incubator related uh, environments that if people aren't specifically in your area that they could potentially connect with? Yeah. So I know that there is a program at Georgia Tech right now. So that would kind of serve that Atlantic region. There's a bigger but similar to Upstart organization in Kansas City. Okay. And then I know there's one in Vermont, which very similar to, to my area. I'm not aware of anything off the top of my head that would be kind of out, uh, what I would call out West, you know, West Coast area. But Upstart is not I hate to say it's not unique, but it's not unique. It, we're not reinventing, you know, anything or we're not inventing anything rather, but you can find resources through maybe the Kauffman Foundation. If you d- haven't heard of anything like Upstart before, I would start with the Kauffman Foundation and see if they have resources that could point you into something in your area. That's a fantastic resource. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yes. And, I, and I will be <laughs> sure to have a link to that in the show notes for all of you listening. It's a great resource. Can you talk a little bit about entity formation and and what that means? Like, so for those of you listening who are just starting out, an entity is literally your business, right? That's Mm -hmm. what that means. It's your your business plan, essentially, and and how you're going to move forward with that. So entity formation, why is it so critically important for the overall big picture success of someone's company? Can you speak on that? Yeah. So, you know, taking off my nonprofit hat and putting on my legal hat here, your entity is uh, anything from a sole proprietorship can be counted as an entity up through, you know, C corporations or benefit corporations. Uh, So your sole proprietorship is just you. Uh, You decide one day you want us to start making mittens and you start knitting your mittens and you start selling them out at the yard sales. That's a sole proprietorship partnership. You get your best friend, you both make mittens, you sell them at the yard sale and, and that's that. Uh, the problem from a legal perspective of being in a sole proprietorship or a partnership is that you're personally liable for anything the business does or that your partner does if you're in a partnership. That means that if one of your mittens, you know, never going to happen probably, but your mitten kills somebody, you are now liable for that, that death. Right. You shouldn't laugh. In- I can't believe I'm laughing. I'm <laughs> exactly. It's okay. We can, we can laugh at that example. <laughs> but if that happens, heaven forbid, then you are now liable to pay damages to this person's family, which means if you don't happen to have a, a liability insurance policy that covers it, your home can be sold. Your cars can be sold. Your second homes, camps, boats, furnishings, anything can be sold to satisfy this judgment. And you might have to file bankruptcy. We don't want that. But if you form an LLC or a C-Corp, S-Corp, benefit corporation, nonprofit corporation, then you are now shielded by that entity uh, in most cases. If you commit any intentional act to hurt somebody, you are going to be liable for it. But if it's in the normal course of business, in most cases, now you're shielded. So if you're making mittens and you sell them through your LLC and they injure somebody, then your LLC will will pay those debts and maybe your LLC has to file bankruptcy, but that's way better than you being homeless and bankrupt. Oh my gosh. (laughs) No kidding. I have a legal question, not to interrupt you, but on 
on the heels of what you're talking about with an LLC. So it's, it's always been my understanding. And I originally started both my companies in California and California law is like, I mean, it's, it's big, right? Like there seems mm-hmm. to be a, a paper for every day of the week on what you need to do and how to do it. Right. Like there's, there's a different world life. out there. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole different world. Right. And now that I live in the state of Colorado, so much is different. Like, and I'm, I'm constantly like, you know, dotting T's crossing, wait, dotting, <laughs> dotting my eyes. <laughs> I'm constantly crossing my T's and dotting my I's, but I realized that in the state of Colorado, it's not a strict, but Mm -hmm. one thing that I've just been very clear about for my business, just in case, just in case, right. I have an LLC, but I also have liability insurance on top of that. Is that overkill or do you feel like that's appropriate? (laughs) Okay. Nope. (laughs) Okay. All right. Nope. In addition to having that entity formed for you, which I can speak to Maine law. I'm a lawyer that's licensed in Maine. I'm not licensed in any other state, but um, generally speaking, that entity does protect you. But if you don't have any liability insurance, then all the LLC can pay out is whatever the LLC has. Right. So your yarn and your knitting needles and any cash the LLC has in the bank I mean, that's not going to be enough to satisfy wrongful death or someone even breaks a leg that might not cover it. Right. So I'm so, I'm glad you're talking about that. So yes, it's good to have an LLC or an ink or whatever, mm-hmm. but make sure that you're doing your due diligence and getting, getting that extra policy in place. Absolutely. Because, and hopefully you never have to use it. But at the end of the day, if you ever needed to thank the good Lord, it's there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Forming the entity is not enough. Um, you you need to carry insurance. And that is not just a main thing. It's not just a California thing. It's everywhere in between. Across the board. People are weird. Yep. Get insurance. <laughs> yep. Yep. Get insurance. <laughs> if I was an insurance agent, that would be my slogan. People are weird. Get insurance. You just exactly. Never and that covers it. <laughs> yeah, see? Exactly. Yeah. I just like to really drive home the point that um, at least in Maine, setting up an LLC is $175. That is well worth it to not have to file bankruptcy. (laughs) So if you get scared of the idea of filing for an LLC, don't be scared. It's not that expensive in most states. And a lot of lawyers are pretty reasonable when they're trying to help startups. So you don't need a lawyer, but I would I would advise it. Really, really good advice. Yeah. Super good advice. So if someone's just starting out and they have no idea where to start, they just have this idea, what mm-hmm. would you recommend that they do? How do they get started from the legal space? from the legal side of things? Do they need to hurry and, you know, file, you know, incorporation papers? Do they need to get the liability insurance immediately? Proof of concept? Like what's your recommendation? I would say if it's day one and you just have this bright idea, it's probably too soon to call a lawyer. When you're going to want to think about calling your lawyer is when you're getting ready to sell or promote products. You are also going to want to talk to an accountant because there are different tax advantages in these different entity structures. I'm not competent to speak on them, but uh, once you start making money from either selling products or promoting products or selling a license, anything like that, you're going to want to start thinking about, I need to talk to a lawyer. So I would say anything outward facing, it's lawyer time. Yeah. I see a lot of, I'll say startups or concepts on Etsy. 
And mm-hmm. I know a lot of you listening sell products on Etsy, which is lovely. I'm glad you're doing it. And I have said in previous episodes, if you're just like testing the market, might not make sense to just go and get articles of incorporation settled and all that. However, if you're selling something where it's like skincare or yes. something people can eat, like, look, if you're putting it on your body or in your body, you definitely want to make sure that you're covering yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're selling, you know, a blanket, maybe not so much. I don't know. Could yeah. I be wrong there? <laughs> no, no, no. You're not wrong. There are, I don't want to say different levels, but essentially different levels in the mitten example. My grandma makes me mittens every year. She makes all my cousin's mittens. She doesn't have to have an LLC to give us those mittens to test them out. Now, if my grandma wanted to start selling those mittens to other people because they, they're they so great and warm, mm-hmm. then I would tell her, you know, if you're ready to start selling, then let's let's talk about an entity formation. But that's because I have 27 years of experience getting mittens. She knows right. how to make them. She's tested them. They're good to go. If you are maybe beta testing something that you perceive to be safe, that you're not ingesting, putting on your body that doesn't have sharp edges, you know, anything that you would give to maybe a baby, mm-hmm. then oh. you probably don't need to talk to your lawyer. Yes. But if your toddler could hurt itself with what you're selling, probably a good time to call your lawyer. You ever see this in in your business or even working with uh, Upstart where it's like you see the concept, you see the the general idea and you're like, I don't think this is a good plan. Has there ever been anything like that? Yeah, there are some uh, companies that come through that you're like, yeah, if you could make it maybe work, then this would be great. But you're just not there yet. And there are plenty of companies that have a touch point with upstart or with me and they're not ready yet. And we're fine to say, you know what, these are the things that you need to do come back once you've done these things. So I don't want to, you know, give any examples, but, no, no, um, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, there are quite a few people who, like I said before, are just at that. I had this great idea and they're just testing it. Yeah. And we have no problem saying, yes, that's a great idea. Or have you thought about X, Y, and Z? Maybe think about that and then come back with a more formalized business plan. It's incredible to have a resource and an outlet to be able to do that. You know, I I wonder how many incredible businesses we would have today, even more so than there already are. If people just had an opportunity to say, Hey, what do you think of this to business professionals who've been doing this forever, right? That's one of my favorite parts about my job is people bring me concepts and say, give me your two cents on this. And am I moving in a right direction? And fortunately enough, I can say, yay, yes. And here's what we do. But yeah, I've seen some things where I'm like, okay, breaks on, hold up, call the lawyer. Yep. <laughs> let's, let's figure this out here. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we yep. talked about the startup side of things. Now mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about the exit strategy. So if I'm coming to you and I was like, listen, really mm-hmm. want to sell my business. I've done the IBITDA. Not that anyone listening knows what that is. Can you, <laughs> <laughs> let me back up. Sorry. Let me back up. Can you explain what IBITDA is for our listeners? Earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, my finance professor would be so proud. <laughs> 
Very good. So essentially it's really important to know what the heck your business is worth. And you've got to do all these reports and you've got to get evaluated. Mm -hmm. And it's not like you can say, I just want to sell it today. I mean, you could, depending on where you're at and, you know, in your, in your business and growth and profit and loss and all that. Mm -hmm. Right. But what is the best strategy for success or perhaps a couple of tips to set up an entity for a very clean exit strategy Mm -hmm. or for a very clean exit? Sure. So it depends on how you want to exit. Um, but let's assume that you own a business and you know who you want to sell it to. Um, that doesn't always happen, but this is my ideal world. Have your succession plan well in advance of deciding that you want to sell. If you have um, a convenience store and you've had an employee that's worked for you for 20 years and you know that that's the person, you can't decide, oh, well, I'll sell you my business next week. You need to start having conversations with that person potentially years in advance to make sure that A, they're interested, (laughs) B, that they want that responsibility and understand fully what that responsibility is, and C, that they'll have a plan for what they're going to do when the transition actually happens. Your succession plan is not simply picking your successor, it's molding your successor and it's In most cases, I advise my clients to stay on for a little bit and help your successor succeed. And so that is my absolute number one tip is have your succession plan. It's imperative. And I've had many a client come to me and say, well, I don't know who I want to sell it to. And that's not the end of the world. You can sell it to another company, a competitor, someone who's had no experience in the field I've had before, but I find that the best transitions happen when you have a really great succession plan. Such good advice. (laughs) I will tell you guys, I have been a part of a few, a few deals where the company was selling and they found a buyer, but they went with the buyer that was willing to pay the most And it Mm -hmm. didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be looking at those things. It's like, well, am I looking for the max payout? Of course, like as a business owner, you want the max payout, but you've got to weigh all the options. Mm -hmm. It's not just about the monetary value, right? We're talking about morally too. Morally, what do you want to leave behind? What do you want to leave next? And that piece about staying on for a period of time and working Mm -hmm. that into the contract, I think is invaluable. It makes the transition so much smoother, Mm -hmm. not only for the business, the new business owner coming into the, to the entity, but for the employees as well. So if it's like a brick and mortar scenario, I've seen it play out both ways. You know, the owner's like, see ya. And they just Mm -hmm. take the money and leave. And I've also seen it where it was a nice, slow not slow, but like a really good, I've got 30 days with this transition. Any questions, please ask me. I'm on site and let's just move forward. And once the 30 days are up, then, you know, the baby's yours essentially. So yeah, that's, it's super good advice. Mm -hmm. Have have a plan in place. The best deals that I've seen have all had some sort of a consulting arrangement in it. Mm -hmm. Because the last thing you want is to sell a business on a Friday and then have the owner going and you know, potentially blind on a Monday. Mm -hmm. So that transition period, it just works well for everybody too, because you might feel like you're ready to sell your business. But when the time comes, I've seen a lot of people say at the closing table, like, I'm glad, but I'm not really ready to let go yet. And so that transition period kind of works for everybody. Yeah. 
Of mm-hmm. course, you're building up this incredible entity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This has been such a joy to chat with you. Every bit of information has just been incredibly invaluable and further validates what I'm doing. <laughs> so thank <laughs> you. <laughs> but if folks want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? And is there anything else you want the listeners to know? Yeah. So while I would love to talk to every single listener that you have, um, I do want to remind people that I am just licensed in Maine. So for legal advice, it would have to be Maine-based companies. But you can connect with me on Instagram, on LinkedIn, or on Facebook. We're always looking to talk to mentors, entrepreneurs. If you want to get in touch with us, there's many ways you can. Sounds good. And I will be sure to put all the links in the show notes for you guys. That is it for this episode. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.